Today, we're looking at a big question, as Josh and Linda pointed out. Do we have a guardian angel? Is that a thing? And uh, one mom named Brenda would say, based on her own experience, absolutely, yes, there is such a thing as angels. So she, Brenda recalls being awakened one morning by her son, Chase. 6.34 in the morning, she looked at the alarm clock. Mom, Dad, wake up, something's wrong. And she woke up and said, Chase, buddy, what are you doing up? You're never up this early. And he said, Mom, something's wrong. And as she was talking to him, she realized something is wrong. The air feels funny. And then she started to realize she was hearing a booming noise getting closer and closer and closer. And all of a sudden, the word sprung into her mind, tornado. So she jumped up, said, Danny, we got to go. And he realized immediately her husband understood this is what's going on. It's a tornado. Let's go. He said, get Chase to the basement. She ran with Chase out of the bedroom through the kitchen to get him to the basement door. And as they got there, she couldn't believe her eyes. Literally, the walls of the house were bulging out. The windows were bulging out. She pushed Chase down the stairs to the basement, and she could see through her kitchen window there was a gray swirling mass. It was so thick she couldn't even see the portrait. She ran on down the hall to Tyler's bedroom. Tyler, he wasn't in there. She runs back to the kitchen. And at this point, it's 6.35, one minute after she'd woken up. Tyler, are you downstairs? And she hears her scared voice say yes. And at that moment, the tornado, 200 miles an hour F4 tornado hit their house. And the house literally disintegrated around her. She said she watched her stone fireplace just tear apart. Glass and metal was coming through the air at her, pelting her. The ceiling went away. One of the walls of the house just disappeared. And as the house was disintegrating, she was being pulled in different directions and being pulled out of the house by the wind. And she said at that moment, she saw something out of the corner of her eye. It came through the air, hit her in the head, knocked her down the stairs. And at that point, the whole house disappeared. Now, this ends well. As quickly as the tornado hit, it was gone, just like the house and there was complete silence. But all four of them were saved. So Brenda says a few weeks later, she was talking to Chase and she said, hey Chase, buddy, it's the first time we've really been alone together. What woke you up that day? Like you are the heaviest sleeper in our family. Nothing wakes you up. Why did you get up that morning? He got a funny look on his face and he said, kind of like, you know, mom, I know this is gonna sound odd, but something woke me up. And he said, I got out of bed, I was awake enough to do that. I went and I looked out the window, and then I went back to bed, and when I laid down, and this is where he got another look at face. So he said, Mom, you're not gonna believe this, but somebody ran their hand through my hair. And as soon as that happened, I immediately had this thought in my mind, I've got to go wake up my mom and dad. And that's when he ran down the hall and woke them up at 6.34 in the morning. And he said, Mom, I don't care what anybody says, that was my guardian angel. I didn't see her, but I know she's real. According to that family, there's no way you're going to dissuade them that angels exist. Now, the question we're taking on today is, do angels really exist? Was Chase right about that? Is that something that we could expect in our lives? Is, is that a thing? I want to take you to the Bible, which is what we do with all the questions that we have. And we want to say, well, what does the Bible have to say about this? And according to the Bible, angels actually are a thing, and angels do things like what Chase experienced. I want to invite you to take your Bible, and if you haven't already, find Acts chapter 12. So in my Bible, it's about this far along, so who's got a Bible? Or if you've got a Bible app, go ahead and pull that out. I'm going to get, let you off the hook if you don't have one, especially if you're newer. These verses will be on the screen, but I would love for you every week to come in here with a Bible. If you don't have one, don't be embarrassed to grab one of the Bibles on the table out there. Because this is really important to what we're doing. So we're going to read through Acts chapter 12 of an angelic rescue. 
And so, if you want to go back to verse 1, we'll just get the context of what's happening here. And I'll give it you time here. It's not because I can't get the pages unstuck at all. There we go. All right, so it says this. About, the time, about that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with the sword. So this is the first apostle killed. And then Herod realized in verse 3 that that was so pleasing to the Jewish leaders who wanted to stamp out Christianity that he had another apostle arrested, the apostle Peter, and he's going to have him put under trial for execution after the Passover. So this right here, verses 1 through 4, is a matter of historical record. There was something recorded in the civil you know, court cases. This, this was not something that was secret. This is a matter of history. And so we know what the civic leaders and the, the authorities were doing. Uh, what the civic records will not show is what the church was doing. Look at verse 5. But while Peter was in prison, the church was praying very earnestly for him. Now, so let's see what happened. Verse 6. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, this middle of the night. An angel of the Lord stood before Peter. And the, the angel struck him on the side to wake him up and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. And then the angel told him, get dressed, put your sandals on. And he did. Now put your coat on and follow me, the angel ordered. It's like a preschooler. Come on. So verse 9, so Peter left the cell following the angel, and all this time he thought it was a vision. I'm dreaming. He didn't realize it was actually happening. So they're still in the prison. They passed through the first and second guard posts, came to the iron gate leading to the city. This opened for them all by itself. So they passed through, started walking down the street, and the angel suddenly left him. And Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true. The Lord has sent his angel, saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, oh, it's time to bail, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. Middle of the night, he knocked at the door in the gate. This is hilarious. And a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. She opens just the little view port. And uh, when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter's standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided, well, it must be his angel. They killed him early. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking, and while they, when they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed, and he motioned to them for to be quiet, quiet down. You're going to get me put back in prison. And he told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said, and then he went to another place. This, this is not James who was just executed. This is James, the half-brother of Jesus, different James. And that James was an elder in the church there at Jerusalem. Well, what happened next? Verse 18, at dawn, there was a great commotion among the soldiers about what happened to Peter. Where did he go? Herod Agrippa ordered a thorough search for him, and when he couldn't be found, Herod interrogated the guards and sentenced them to death. And after that, Herod left Judea to stay in Caesarea for a while. And if you feel bad for those soldiers, just go ahead and read the rest of chapter 12 of Acts, and you'll see Herod gets more than what's coming to him. And so when I look at this, this is just one example among many, and you've just heard it, of examples where the Bible says that angels exist. It's matter-of-factly just put it, puts it out there that angels interact in human history and activities. And as we look at this, unless you just say that the Bible is once upon a time, which I don't believe it is. I think this is a factual account of a historical event. It's fascinating when you look through the Bible with that lens just how many times God does send angels to interact with humans and to intervene in human affairs. It's amazing how many times that happens. And so the question that I guess all of us would have then and maybe you're thinking this is, okay, so is that 2,000 years ago Bible time? Does God still do that today? Can I still expect angelic intervention in my life? 
a good question. And my perspective on this is that it is probably more common and more normal than we realize. And so the question that we have today is to look at is honestly, from you, the most requested topic. Everyone wants to know about angels, and I get it, because when you look at the, the things that the Bible reveals about angels, there's just so much that's just, wow, this is cool. So I want to do a couple of things today. There's no way that in one message I can cover everything the Bible says about angels because you don't want to sit here that long and I don't want to talk that long. I'm fascinated by the subject, but so two things I do want to do. If you've got one of those worship folder flyers, what you can do is follow along with that. You can take some notes, or this is in the Bible app, and you can take notes in there as well. So let's talk about the nature of angels, first of all, and just say, what are they like? Who are they? So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Angels are created, immortal, spiritual beings. Angels are created, immortal, spiritual beings that God created. Now, when were angels created? It's a good question. There's no verse in the Bible that tells us exactly when. Some people believe that God created the angels before he created the current universe and all of us, that they already existed before God said, let there be light. Other people would say that they were created as a part of the creation process where God used six days to create the whole known universe and then on the seventh day he rested. I tend to believe that they predated creation. There's a verse in the Bible in Job where God is speaking and he says, he reflects on the time when he was creating the universe and he says that the angels sang for joy. So in my opinion is that they were here and God had created them, but that, that God definitely created them. We do not ever want to put angels in the same category as God. God is the creator. The angels like us are the created. There's no equality at all. God, angels, angels serve God. So you put them more in our category, even though angels are technically probably greater than us in some ways. So Angels exist to serve God like everything else in God's creation. He's, they are something that he created. I want to take you to a conversation that Jesus had with some religious leaders, and he references angels as he's talking to these religious leaders. Now, ironically, these religious leaders, they were called Sadducees. They didn't really know or believe their Bible very well, and they're coming to Jesus to trick him into saying something stupid, which is always a bad idea because you're never going to come out on top of an exchange with Jesus. They ask him a trick question, and Jesus says, look, you guys are wrong in the question because you don't know your Bible and you don't believe your Bible. And so what they're trying to say was, you know, they created this scenario where some guy marries like seven different people and then they die, and like who's, who's his wife in heaven? And here's part of Jesus' answer. And I want you to pay attention because he uses an analogy to the angels to explain his answer. This is Luke 20, verse 35 and 36. Jesus said, those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection from the dead, be all of us, those people will neither marry nor be given in marriage, and they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. So you, you get what's going on here? Jesus compares people who are raised at the last day that's still to come and who are going to live forever and eternity in heaven. He compares us to the angels, and he says two things. They're immortal. When we rise again and get our new bodies, we will never die. Like the angels, we're immortal, and we're not to be married anymore. Like the angels, which says something else about the angels. When God created them, that's all there were. Angels don't get married and have children. 
It says something else that you may want to write down. Angels are not the spirits of human beings who have passed away. Though I would get why you might think that, because isn't like every TV show and movie about angels, like the premise that an angel was a person who died and went to heaven, and then they've got to get their wings somehow? So I see why you would think that, but there's nothing in the Bible that says human beings die, and when you go to heaven, you get to be sent back here as an angel. That's just not scriptural. When God created the angels, he created angels, and then he created human beings. There's two different things. And here's another thing that you might want to think about. We were never technically supposed to die. If you go back to the original plan when God created the universe, there was no people die and your spirit leaves your body and you go to heaven and become an angel. Like the original plan was we were just supposed to live forever. Your spirit and body stay together. Heaven and earth were supposed to stay together. And that's what Jesus is doing when he came here to die for us. He's fixing what got split apart and he's destroying death. So you, you don't have the process to create angels if it's human beings becoming angels if the world stayed perfect, but they're two different things. Now, it's not to say that angels and human beings don't have some things in common because there's a lot of similarities between angels and people. We have a lot of things that we share in common with them. When you read through the Bible and you look at all the different accounts of people interacting with angels, you're struck by how much they're like us or maybe even just a little bit better version of us. First of all, angels are able to appear in human form. That doesn't mean that that's what they always look like, but they're able to take a human shape. We find them often talking to people. They understand what we say. They often know a lot more than we do. They're able to listen to us. They're intelligent. Uh, one of the things that I love about angels is that they love to learn. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. Angels, just keep this in mind. This is one of those things where I talk about how angels are not to be put in the same category as God. Angels can't be in more than one place at once, just like us. They can't be in heaven and in Asia and in the United States. They've got to be in one God is omnipresent. He can be anywhere, but angels can't. Angels don't know everything either. There's things that they have to find out and learn, which is going to apply next week. We're going to talk about demons, which are fallen angels. And as we talk about them, everything that applies to angels would apply to a demon. So don't ever get the idea that a demon or even Satan knows everything. They're not like God. They're not omniscient. They are very powerful, but they're not all powerful. And like I said, one of the things that I find most fascinating about angels is that they love to learn, and there's things that they don't know that they're intensely curious about. So Peter, the guy that got broke out of prison, huge Christian leader, he wrote a couple of letters to Christians that are in our Bible. They're known as 1 Peter and 2 Peter. If you could find 1 Peter in your Bible, he actually wrote this to people who were either in the process of becoming Christians or who were Christians. And one of the things he wrote to them was, when you read your Bible as a new Christian, all the things that are in the Old Testament, all those prophets, they were really giving their visions and prophecies for us, people who become Christians. And he says this, if you want to go ahead and look at 1 Peter 1.12, he says this, the prophets were told in the Old Testament times their messages weren't for themselves, but for you, meaning us, meaning Christians. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. This is so wonderful, get this. Even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Or as the NIV translation says, angels long to look into these things. Angels are intensely curious about us. They want to know why their God became one of us. The prophets in the Old Testament would see these visions of Jesus and they would see these things that were going to happen in the future and they would see these things about Jesus even being crucified and the prophets were trying to understand what these visions meant. But the angels are doing the same thing. 
What in the world is he doing? Why is he letting them kill him? Why isn't he calling us to come rescue him? I don't know if you've seen this on social media before. Have you seen the, the description of elephants? And they've done brain scans that say when elephants are looking at us, the same part of an elephant's brain lights up as when a human is looking at a cute puppy. So they're saying that they think elephants look at us and think of us as cute puppies. I wonder if angels look at us and think of us, like, does that part of their brain light up? Are we like cute puppies to them? Because they're intensely curious about what we're like. Here's something else to consider. Angels apparently have different rankings and different power and different levels of authority. They also apparently have names. If you don't know the answer to this, don't feel bad, but some of you may feel really good about yourself. In the Christmas story, true story, when God sent Jesus to be born, he also sent an angel ahead to give messages to different people. Anybody know that angel's name? Gabriel, if you knew that. There's another good angel named in the Bible. He is the archangel. Anybody know it? Michael. And if you don't know these things, there's no entrance exam to get into heaven. Like, you don't have to know that, but if you do know that, that's cool. There's two good angels named in the Bible, but apparently all of them have names. And this is fascinating. And, uh, I think that it's important to keep in mind that angels do have this level of hierarchy and they have names because something else you need to know about them is that they're incredibly powerful, much more powerful than human beings. In fact, just, this is a bonus round. When the angels do appear to human beings, what's the, often the very first thing they say to people? Fear not. There must be something powerful and intimidating about angels that when they appear to people, the first thing they have to say is, don't be afraid. There's a story in the Old Testament, it's a true story, this is a matter of historical record, and it's, it happened, I mean, it's like 2,700 years ago, so you might be thinking, like, that's a long time ago, what does this have to do with me? Well, just follow me here. You've heard about this in world history, or if you haven't had world history yet, you're going to. In world history class, you probably heard about the Assyrian armies that invaded everywhere, and they were horrible to people. So the Assyrians, led by a general named Sennacherib, in, invaded Israel. They attacked the southern kingdom of Judah. They went all the way to where they were going to attack Jerusalem. And Sennacherib sent some smack talk to the people, to King Hezekiah of Judah. And he said, don't even think that your God is going to protect you. Your God has not done a great job of protecting any of the other cities I destroyed. I'm going to take you guys out too, so don't be fooled into thinking your God's going to save you. Might as well just give up right now and surrender, and I'll let you off easy. And he just said all these horrible things, and where he made his mistake was he got God involved in, and he called God into question. King Hezekiah did the smartest thing he could do. He took the threats and the jeers and the blasphemy that Sennacherib brought, and he just took it before God, and he prayed. And he said, do you hear what he's saying about you? You going to let him get away with that? God said, nope, I've got this covered. He said through the prophet Isaiah, don't even worry about it. Just go to bed tonight, sleep peacefully, because this is my fight now. And it says in 2 Kings 19.35, that night the angel of the Lord went out into the Assyrian camp, one angel, and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. When the surviving Assyrians woke up the next morning, they found corpses everywhere. One angel. You know what Sennacherib did the next morning? It's in verse 36. He got up, and they packed up their stuff, and they went back home. And I told you this is a part of the historical record, which the Bible is a historical record, but this is also a part of things that we found in archaeological digs. We found something called Sennacherib's Prism. I think we've got a picture of it. And this thing has been at the Chicago Field Museum. You could go see this yourself. And what it has when they translated that is this is the Assyrians' version of what happened in that Judean campaign. 
This is their story of what happened. And it says that Sennacherib was doing so well until they ran into a Jewish disease, and this plague killed 185,000 soldiers. A plague. Hmm, that's what we're calling it now. A friend of mine was in Chicago taking the tour, and the tour guide said that's what it said. And he just he couldn't contain himself. said, that's some plague, 185,000 people dead in one night. That's one angel. And there are not just one, two, or three angels I don't know if you know this or not. When the Bible describes the angels, it says that there are beyond count of them. Myriads of angels, billions, trillions, quadrillions. I don't even know what the next thing is after that. Can you imagine the immense power that these angels have? So that's what they're like. Let's go ahead and switch gears here. Let's talk about their purpose. Why did God create these, these angels in the first place? Why do they exist? What do they do? I don't have time to go very deep into this. This isn't a class, but I just want to briefly mention what the Bible shows angels doing. The word angels literally means messenger. These are God's messengers. Psalm 103, 20 and 21 says this. Look, you can read this. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. So that's what angels do. They literally carry messages of God. They carry out God's will. They praise God in his presence. You can go over to Revelation, and there's a picture of what's going on in heaven, and it describes the seraphim, the cherubim, praising God. They, um, they carry his message. They carry out God's judgment. I don't know if you've picked up on this, but Jesus says when he returns to the earth in his second coming, it is literally the angels who accompany him who will literally gather the people up. Just something to think about. And when we think about what else they do here, when we talk about angels, this is where it moves from interesting to me, at least, to applicable. Of all the things that God has his angels do, let's just talk about what angels do for human beings. Because that's where really I want to know about it. How about you? Like, I want to know what, what God might send an angel to do for me. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. This is a great verse in your Bible. It says, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? God sends his angels to serve us. Psalm 91.11, the Lord will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Christian author and leader Nofel Staten writes this. These are just some of the many ways that angels help us today based on what angels did for people in the Bible. We've got precedent for this. Angels may encourage you. Angels may bring you an answer to your prayer. Angels may protect you from temptation or satanic attack. An angel may come to warn you. An angel may come alongside us and worship with us. I love that thought, that maybe in our church today there's an angel here worshiping with us. Angels may bring us a message from God. Angels may help preachers preach the gospel. That's my favorite right there. Sometimes an angel may protect you from physical harm. Some people like the, the mom, Brenda, and her story. Let me show you just one other example from the Bible. This is one of my favorites in the whole Bible. Acts chapter 27, the apostle Paul was on a ship in the Mediterranean, and they really shouldn't have been on the Mediterranean at that time of the year because it's just horrible storm season. And in fact, they did get hit with a nor'easter off the coast of Africa, and it's the kind of storm that kills people and sinks ships. So in Acts 27, verse 20, it says this, The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars, until at last all hope was gone. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. But look at verse 22. But take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of God 
to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. I wonder how many times, whether you and I knew it or not, that God sent an angel to stand beside us. I think it happens. You know, one of the things that, that people ask is, does that mean that I have my own angel? Do I have a guardian angel? Is it like, like there's an angel with a name who's specifically assigned to me my whole life? I don't know. People have different opinions about that. Here's what I do know. All the angels are good. So if God needs an angel to go to you, it doesn't matter if it's the one you've been assigned or not. He could pick any angel, and they're going to do a good job for you, whatever it is that God wants to have done. And there are many times when, when God sends angel to help people. There's nothing in the Bible that suggests that that stopped back then. There's nothing in the Bible that says that that doesn't necessarily happen today. I don't have any reason to believe that he doesn't do it now. And you can have your own opinion about that. One of the things that I have gleaned just as, as I've read the Bible, and I believe this is maybe one of the uh, most special things that angels do. I, my opinion is that when we pass away, that God sends angels to take us with him to heaven. Uh, it's, it's happened before. Jesus told a story. This is in Luke 16, 22. Jesus said in the middle of the story, when the time came for the beggar to die, the angels carried him to Abraham's side. You know, Billy Graham said when his grandma passed away, she said out loud right before she died, oh, here's the angels, and there's my husband, and there's Jesus. And then she smiled, and she breathed her last. It was, uh, it was another Noble Staten talking about a grandpa in his church who had just a horrible thing. His nine-month-old grandson had cancer. And when his grandson was passing away, and breathing, he breathed his last, and he reached out his hand and smiled. I think that that we can just safely assume there's more to reality than what we can see. And I think it's safe to assume that God has more care for you and more ways to help you than you maybe even realize. That should be an encouraging thought. And I wonder if someday in, in our existence, maybe it's after we die, we might be pleasantly surprised to know how many times angels have interacted with us. Wouldn't it be neat to know that? So what do we do with all of this? Well, one thing I would ask you to do, just there's three things very quickly, and then you can write these down, we'll be done. One of the things I would encourage you to do is just be mindful of God's presence and work in the world, including angelic activity. If nothing else than this, just remember God does all kinds of things in the world that some people might call coincidence. They might just say, well, it would have happened that way anyway. And I'm like, I don't know. It seems like a whole lot of things that I pray for happen. So I'm just going to give God the credit for that. I think angels are more involved than we realize. And I want you, even if you think like, well, I don't know about that, just remember what the Bible says in Hebrews 13 too. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers because some who have done this have entertained angels without even realizing it. Jack Cottrell, he's a Bible scholar. Listen to what he says. God doesn't need angels to carry out his will. Whatever he wants to do, he can accomplish by simply speaking. But sometimes God does things he doesn't have to do just because he wants to. It's a matter of choice. For example, he didn't have to create anything. He did, that he did so was a freely chosen act. And in the same way that God has chosen to carry out that work, he's chosen to carry out his work through angels. So just be aware and be thankful for what God does for us. And it might include angelic intervention in your life. And as I said, I think many of us might be pleasantly surprised at how many times angels have been involved in our life. But at the other side of that, here's the second thing. Let's not become too preoccupied with angels. Let's not just be too interested in them. Don't be that person that says, oh, everything's an angel. That was an angel. That was an angel. That was an angel. Really? You get more angels than, you know, Jesus did? I don't know. So if you feel like 
you've got some people in your life or you've heard the stories where like people have had these angelic encounters and you feel like maybe I'm not as good a Christian, just don't think that way because that's not true. I mean, God has so many ways that he helps people. And don't ever, ever fall into the temptation of maybe even worshiping an angel. People have been tempted to do that, honestly, just because when an angel appears to you, sometimes they are so powerful, the temptation is to worship them. They're like, angels will be the first ones to tell you, don't worship me. I worship God just like you. Don't do that. That's inappropriate. And here's the third thing. Whatever you feel about angels, let's go ahead and ask God for help, and let's let God choose what form the help takes. You don't have to pray for an angel. Just pray for God to help you. If God sends an angel to help you, great. If God sends somebody that's a friend of yours, a family member, accept it. If you're needing help, pray and call the church elders. Call me. Call somebody. Let's just avail ourselves of every avenue that we can when we need something. And God may choose to send you an angel. God may choose to send a person. God may choose to give you grace to be strong underneath it. He says, I'm not going to fix it, but I'm going to help you get through it. God may provide you for you in so many ways, but let's just realize that we live in a world where we are not alone and that God is with us and he is for us, not against us. And you can count on him. And he wants you to reach out to him.